We can freestyle, Ricky. Oh, yeah? How's it going? Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's fucking weird. I do what, doing it over Zoom or the fact that we're in a global pandemic and the world's yeah. going to shit? What, what, what's weird? Well, you've got to tackle those one at a time, haven't you? Um, let's work backwards. <laughs> yeah, one's much bigger than the other, isn't it? But <laughs> Zoom, Zoom's fucking annoying. There's no two ways about it. But think, but, of, I mean, the, think of the pandemic without Zoom. Think of the Black Death. That must have been awful. Oh, mate. No Zoom. Would... No Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that? Are your granny's legs falling off? Yeah. But we, we can, you can watch it on Zoom. <laughs> In the village square. Are we um, starting? I'm going to start. I'm, I'm already thinking. Yeah, exactly. Now you see the cogs are going. I'll start, I'll do a little intro and then off we go. Okay. The festival. Here we go. There's really nothing quite like it. How are you guys doing? When you pick the right acts to see, it's musical nirvana. So if given the power of the festival gods to have absolutely any act you desire, alive or not, playing in that perfect spot at the perfect moment, who would you choose? MC5. Oh, yeah. And Stooges. Detroit Supernova. I just imagine this is the perfect one. It's going to be Burt Bacharach <gasps> and Friends. I was like, yes! It's such an anthem for yes! that, isn't it? If you're wearing a coat, you go take that coat off, baby, <laughs> and get wet up. Behold, the greatest day of our lives! Ah, yeah, let's go! Welcome to the lineup, you beautiful spirits of Eden. Chubby little loser. We want to be free. Do what we want to do. See his pug nose vice. Hug, hug. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Gervais. Thank you. Our next guest is a multi-BAFTA collecting writer, comedian, pioneering bloody podcaster, actually, actor, musician, Philippine new romantic icon, a man who's co-created some of the most influential and hilarious screen comedy of the last two decades, basically. There's his Sergeant Pepper, The Office. There's his Stairway to Heaven, Extras. There's loads of films in between. Most recently, the heartbreakingly brilliant Blood on the Tracks that is Afterlife on Netflix. For me, I mostly remember him working at XFM, running into Carl Pilkington's office and screaming with laughter whilst rubbing Carl's bald head. It is, of course, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> That's the best intro I've ever had. Not just the the flattery of, uh, you know, um, equating some of my sitcoms to the, the greatest bands and albums of all time, but... Just to scream, that just to, imagine that as an intro to a, a <laughs> screaming and rubbing Carfielder's bald head. That, that, I bet people like Kofi Annan and, you know, a, a bomber have never, have never had that sort of intro. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. The oh, pressure's on great. now. The pressure's yeah, really on now because it, uh, it's that thing whether, you know, trying to, trying to put together a festival. You know, do you be honest or try and put a bit of cool in there? Mm, I see these no. lists where they've asked bands or their great, their greatest artists, and it's all like, oh, oh yeah, I love Blind Lemon Pie, the unrecorded <laughs> years. They don't, you know, <laughs> stick, put Roxette and Sting in there now and again. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Right? Yeah, yeah. You got no. I think that's important, Ricky, to state that from the start because yeah. you, you know, you've been a. We know that you've you've got a decent music taste and you thread it through some of the, uh, the programs that you do and you know you worked at radio at, back at back in the XFM days we were all relatively cool then weren't we that was over 20 years ago but you're right with this it's nice to chuck in some real crowd pleasers we did George Ezra the other day I was always the uncool one amongst the, yeah, yeah I was uh, you know I would I would quite happily say I, I remember having arguments with Dave Keenan I was going Kate Bush is brilliant and uh, you know he was only playing Mogwai who I love as well I love yeah. Mogwai yeah, yeah. Right? but I go come on right I, I'm your festival genie we're going to create right. it's not a weekend because that's too much hassle right it's a day it starts dawn chorus in the morning finishes when you want late at night right and we just we just pocket with five great acts living or dead it's as simple as that right now first of all we've got to place it somewhere um, where will it be? Nat's written a little joke for me here, actually. Brentwood. Brentwood, nice. I like that. Before we go any further, though, we must mention Reading. Um, you were Whitley specifically. Yeah. Was was where you? That's that's right, isn't it? That's where you were yeah, originated. Um, well, Whitley Estate. Americans think that that sounds posh because it's estate, 
They don't. They don't know this. I have to explain to them. No, it's uh, uh, um, no. It was a, um, a working class council estate, and I think it's South Reading. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I lived there till I was uh, eighteen and went to went to university. I won't. I won't hold it there though, because I remember uh, uh, having Reading Festival there uh, growing up. Yeah. The, the locals didn't like it. It was uh, just seeing loads of people in in leather jackets pushing trolleys full of beer through <laughs> yes. town throwing up on the pavement it, it it wasn't it wasn't a celebration in the 70s it was a, it was a metal festival back then as well it was, wasn't it it mostly? was it was like yeah it was um yeah it was deep purple and all that yeah. sort of stuff yeah um and then obviously i remember thinking it had changed when the jam play i think oh, okay oh, yeah. this is i got that age like oh this is this is cool if the wind was in the right direction i could hear the bands from my bedroom window Okay, so uh, um, yeah, but I, w- I, w- I won't have it there. I, my first thought was have it in Hampstead, so I can just walk there and then go home. <laughs> but then, do I want? Uh, do I want all these nerdy wells near my house? No. No, I don't know. Don't. I don't no, know. I, think I don't that's think a I terrible would. idea. Where can I have it? What, what about on an island or something? So they can't have do it, any. So, let's have it on a frigging island. Damage um, where? Well, where, we could uh, do it. We could do it on Branson's Island. We could wreck the joint. You know that Necker Island, couldn't we? Where's that? I don't know. It's somewhere. Is it in the Caribbean or something? Too far. Right. Um, I remember when I went to Dorset once, there was a place called Brownsea Island. So I can right. I could drive there. So let's have it on. <laughs> is, I don't even know if there's anything there. It's you, great. I, I think we just went on a little boat trip and saw Brownsea Island. Yeah. Um, we, can create, <laughs> we can create the infrastructure. That's not an issue. Yeah. You know? Or I mean, Jersey. The, the reason I, That's not far, is it? Jersey. Jersey. Visit Jersey, 20 UK airport to visit Jersey. Um, sorry, I'm always, I'm always punting for voiceover work at the minute. Okay, well, let's do Jersey. We could have some Bergerac music in the background. It would be nice. That's so arbitrary I, I, why I've chosen Jersey. I'm not happy with this. I'm going to change my answer. Where well, we'll, I, come, um, we'll come back to that. We, why can't I have, we, uh, uh, listen, why can't I have it in Hampstead, but have like, like, like a row of police? They can't come down my road. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it needs to be heavily, like the, you know, like sort of almost like a SWAT team keeping yeah. uh, revelers Kenwood. away from your street. I, I saw Swade at Kenwood, and it was great, and there was it was nice and sophisticated. So. Okay, that sounds good. That um, I, re- I only mentioned Reading because I used to work at Two Ten FM. I used to write radio ads for Two Ten FM. Did so you? I also, yeah, I did. I used to write radio ads there. Wait, um, hold on. Before- so you're younger than me, though, aren't you? Because I remember when it started, they had the Read and Write show, which was Mike Reed and Steve Wright. On- God, yeah, yeah, Steve, Steve yeah. Wright used to When were you there, though? Eight is I was nine. like 97 sort of to 99, something like that. And it was, it was. Oh. I remember they, they used to call it, they used to talk about the Whitley Whiff. Do you remember that? Yeah, that isn't there, thing. isn't there, it was like Manor Farm, isn't there some sort of pumping station or yeah. something? Again, if the wind was in the wrong direction, I could hear, <laughs> I could hear uh, <laughs> Deep Purple and it stank. <laughs> oh God, so that's why we're not having it in Whitley. Yeah. Um, well, okay, this is great. So we've got it. We're going to have it in Hampstead, but with a heavy police presence yeah. uh, to keep people away from your house, which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. Check one. Testing. Is everybody ready yet? We good? Let the day begin. Let's get straight into it because I don't want to run out of time with you and there's a lot of, lot to talk about. So we start with the Dawn Chorus. Here we are. It's great for you because you can literally walk. That It's going to take you about three or four minutes. Yeah, I'm too old to, to stay to in a side. tent now and use a, a chemical toilet and, and be vomited on when I'm asleep. So, yeah. I get <laughs> up, you meant, I have a shower you, in my, yeah. in, uh, <laughs> my Hampstead mansion and then I'm escorted by a heavy police presence. This is the way to do a festival. This is how to be down with the kids, right? <laughs> It's so, it's so Donald Trump, isn't it? I can just yeah, imagine you standing yeah. there. I get of, in a helicopter. Oh it's only it's thirty seconds in a helicopter. I land in the in the, the green room area behind ah. Kenwood, and then I go, "Let the games commence." <laughs> it's fucking Emperor Nero here. Yes, exactly. It, that's that's what that's I'm creating vibe. here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And you mentioned it very. You mentioned it briefly, but I mean, obviously, we know that you used to book bands. At, yeah. at, uh, at university, you've got form in this area anyway when it comes to booking bands and putting on stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and you work with the aforementioned Suede, so you should be quite good at this, I think. 
Yeah, um, but you, what, what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this as uh, I, I don't care who else likes it, and I don't care about selling tickets, and I just want to see. My my first thought is you said about you know um, the best bands to line up your favorite five bands, dead or alive, is that they're all gonna be dead. Otherwise, uh, I I uh, I'm not using this fantasy to yeah. it, it, to the best of its ability, am I? That's true because you can, you can go and see uh, the thrills, you know, yeah, exactly. because yeah. basically still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So forget yeah. that. I don't know why it's, I mentioned the thrills. It's funny. Yeah, that, that, that's true. There, there's <laughs> that's an amazing festival. Uh, so uh, do I have to start off? Do I have to start off gently? Do you think? Well, I think I think you know that's often the way people do it. But again, it's your or maybe save those to a more garden. chill out. Maybe save those to a more chill out time. I'm yeah, assuming yeah. it's summer. The weather's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, the weather's amazing. Exactly. Uh, well, one of my f- one of the things I missed, and uh, I listened to the the album uh, a thousand times, was uh, Simon and Garfunkel in Central Park. Yes, man. Um, and I know they're not dead, but they're not around anymore. And I, I may as well choose one of the most iconic. Um, Bands of all time, uh, and, and I love Simon and Garfunkel, and I, I, and it's one of the you know probably ten, twenty bands that have stayed with me forever that I loved as a child, as you know, and I still love now. And so I, I think I've got to go with uh, iconic yeah. acts, and um, I think a lot of the bands I'm going to choose are probably going to be from uh, from early times because I was the youngest of four. And um, I had older brothers and sisters, mm. and uh, my next was like eleven years older, then thirteen years older, then sixteen years older. Um, so I acquired their old records. So when I was five and six in like nineteen sixty six, sixty seven, I was listening. I was already listening just because they were there, not because I chose them, because I had their records and I played them on my. It was a little Alba that my mum had given oh, me yeah. in my bedroom. Um, I was already just playing these 45s that were like, you know, imagine a six-year-old playing Bob Dylan. Yeah. I'm, I'm Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Elvis, the Beatles, the Stones. And uh, I remember, uh, I think one of the, the, the first things I really loved was Simon and Garfunkel. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'll choose those. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I, I watched, um, there's been a lot of Simon and Garfunkel on the telly recently. There's a fantastic um, making of um, Bridge Over Troubled Water documentary, which is still up on the iPlayer. And it just reminds me how, and they come up a lot, Simon and Garfunkel, and I'm really always pleased to see Paul Simon's songwriting showcase because it's so beautiful. But The Boxer in particular. Oh, um, the amazing song. I, I keep coming back to that as being yeah. one that it just emotionally just completely eviscerates me every time for some reason. It, it's amazing and that dramatic, da, da, da. <sighs> Didn't they do that over a lift shaft before yeah. they had like a knob for That's reverb? Right. Just yeah. like hanging Hal Bla- a snare Hal Blaine with a with just a, like a, a colossal snare drum, yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful. and just the just the lyrics. I mean, they were uh, you know they were they 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 had drama. They had drama in the songs, and I think some people get that because it's such a it's a beautiful angelic voice. Um, you know uh, 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 yeah. that you they're they're about they're about big things, and some of them are protest songs. And uh, but I, I think the yeah. overwhelming thing is that they're they're. They're all beautiful. They're in some way beautiful. And I remember um, when I first learned to play the guitar, me and my mate, and I couldn't hardly play it, we performed in a pub. I think we were about 15, actually. And we uh, we did uh, Kathy's song. And my mate was a better guitarist than me, so he could do that that fancy yeah. intro. And yeah. then I'd sort of be almost pretending to play the chords because I know I'd ruin it, but I could... <laughs> I, I, was a, I was a choir boy, so I, I could sound a little bit like Art Garfunkel when I was... Uh, 15, and I remember doing that in the pub. And I just think they it must have been dreadful, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but everyone was quite polite because it was a couple of lads like that. And that was my first ever performance, doing Cathy's uh, song in a pub. That's so, that's, that's so formative. I mean, I wanted to touch on it a bit. I, I, you know, we, we, we should have, we, if we had a couple of hours, we wouldn't get around to it. But like, you know, I've read somewhere you said, like, anything to do with regret in music yeah. always touches you but there's a lot of that with with you it feels like there's a especially in the, the body of work that you've got the sentimentality lies cheek by jowl with extreme cynicism which i always well, find I, like I, an amazing mix i think everything i've done has been sort of 
existential to some degree. And I don't know whether that's just because I'm an atheist and I know that's all we've got. But what, the thing about regret is is old boys. When I, when I, when I hear, like, um, oh, I don't know, Jimmy Webb yeah. sing about all the things he missed and did wrong and... Or, or Willie Nelson, always on my mind. I want to hug him and go, you, you're all right, mate. You're all right. You know? It's, you've you've it's done all right. You don't, have to, you don't have to feel bad. And I just think there's something about an old person feeling regret. And there's, no, there's just nothing anyone can do about it. So I want to I wanna sort of let them off, you know? It, and uh, uh, it, it, it gets me. It just, it always has. It al- it's always got me that. And I don't know why. So that, that that's... Uh, I suppose it's very rock and roll as well. There is yeah. some rock and roll, you know. Uh, oh my God, Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. Oh Fucking God, hell. it's like a oh, it, it's off the charts. How uh, how good that is, and and I think that honesty as well. I think honesty's always got me. It's because you can't help it. You can't help what you've done. Yeah. You you can't help your emotions. You don't you don't choose where you're born. You don't choose your parents. You don't choose your brain. You don't choose what you're good at. You don't even you don't even choose your own thoughts. And uh, for someone to just sit down and go, "Oh, I've wasted my life." I go, "Oh, it's too much. It's new, too much to bear." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but do you, that's interesting, isn't it? Because like with, with Afterlife, you know, and, and Tony, uh, you obviously you play main character who's widowed. Who I watch it, and as the seasons go by, I start to think, is this Ricky's way, or in some way, of of dealing with death? You know, by uh, talking about it, by putting it front and center, and thinking about it, because it's co- it's coming down the track to us all, and we've got to fucking deal with it somehow, haven't we? Well, exactly, and um, I mean that's the that's the bottom line, isn't it? It doesn't matter what we think of death; it's going to happen. So you better get on with it. And and I've never really been morbid about it. I, you know, I know it's going to happen, and I know, I know that. Um, life's finite, and I don't believe there's an afterlife. So, uh, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> not it's not another fire alarm. This keeps happening to me on this podcast. I did I did Gregory Porter about two months ago, and my fire alarm went off in the hotel. Oh, that is unbearable. Mind you, <laughs> if it was a fire, it should be, shouldn't it? You shouldn't get comfortable. <laughs> You know, that, that should it should <laughs> Yeah. It's a lovely they, they play Simon and Garfunkel every time there's a fire. It's yeah. wonderful. We just that, it's cause I, it's cause I that was God because I said I'm an atheist. And he always does that <laughs> to me. I'm glad you heard it, because sometimes it's only in my head just he does you. it. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. Um so uh yeah, um, you know, it's gonna happen. And uh I try and I try and celebrate um life because you know, time's running out. And uh, I think the older I get, the more I try and celebrate every day and um, and the more grateful I am, even even down to when I do stand-up shows now. Uh, and this is probably because of Afterlife and uh, and because I'm getting older, but mainly because you realise that um, you're nothing without the audience. I appreciate my fans more because I suddenly think I'm playing to 10,000 people here and they've worked hard and they've spent their hard-earned cash on coming to see me. They've got a babysitter. They found a parking space. I I better have something to to say. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. I I do I do realize how lucky I am. And it is luck. It is luck. Having a good life is luck to a certain degree because you know everyone wants a nice life and some people just can't have it for no fault of their own. I think that's the important thing. And again. Afterlife sort of made me think of that, that when the first season went out, people would come up to me on the street and they, the first thing they all said was, oh, I loved Afterlife. Um, I, I lost my brother a week before I watched it or I lost my mother or I lost my husband a week before. And you suddenly realise everyone's grieving and yeah. that's what hit me most, that everyone is grieving. Of course they are. If you live this long, you've lost someone. You've lost someone and you don't get over it. And you and you don't usually get a chance to tell it to a stranger, but it's there. It's always it's always on your mind. I, I heard someone say there was a lovely a metaphor someone used um, once. Said uh, uh, grief is like a backpack, a heavy backpack. It doesn't get any lighter, but you get better at carrying it. Yeah. And I thought that was just perfect. And and that's one of the themes of afterlife that. Tony doesn't snap out of it because that wouldn't be real. And I felt a responsibility to treat it real. But um, he, he, he was looking for, everyone's looking for ways to be happy. 
Yeah. Everyone's looking for ways to to what's what what's the reason to carry on, you know, and particularly when you lose everything and uh, you know it hits the ground running, you know, you know straight away this guy is suicidal because he lost his soulmate to cancer. And, you know, and he doesn't kill himself because the dog's hungry. And that sets up a theme that um, people who are dependent on you save your life. Trivia yeah. saves your life. Working saves your life. People who annoy you every day save your life. Things you've got to do, they save your life. We've just got to get through life. We've got stuff to do. And it asks the big question, if you lose everything, is life still worth living? And with no spoilers, I think the answer is yes. As long as you've got something to do, yeah. you know. You got purpose. Yeah. It reminds me of um, we had the, the the lovely Andrew Garfield on. We had the privilege of having him as you on this podcast, and he, that lovely thing that he said about grief, you know, and, and um, I think it was Stephen Colbert sort of asked him about his mum dying, and he started oh, crying, yeah. and, and and the guy, it, it was just so lovely. He said, I, "I don't mind. I love it. I love talking about it. And I love crying about it because yeah. that's the grief. That's the the love that I didn't get to to, to show her is coming out in that way. Well, and that's it, that's isn't it? Lovely. I mean, yeah, grief." Grief is the love that can't go anywhere anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, That's it's still... the only outlet is the grief. Yeah, it's still there. It's still every day you wake up, you, you have a little adrenaline rush and you go, something bad happened. Oh, I know. I remember. I remember. And that's what Tony's going through, that, you know, it's about the seven stages of grief. And the first season is, is anger and denial. And he tries to punish the world to make himself feel better. He tries to turn himself into a sociopath so he doesn't feel pain. But he can't because he's not, you know. And you see that straight away that um, he, he's nice to the dog. He's nice to his nephew. He's nice to the new girl. He's nice to the old lady in the graveyard. And um, and uh, and then, then negotiation. Okay, how am I going to do it? What am I going to stay around for? And then, um, you know, the third season, no spoilers, but... He comes to terms with himself and what he's got yeah. and what he's had and what he's happy with, and uh, and he sort of decides that you know there is there is it is worth sticking around because he can help other people, and that's the big theme of it really. That it isn't just about you. It's yeah. not. It's not about us. It's about it's everyone a else. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. You know, there's some lovely little vignettes and I love, you know, uh, Brian, <laughs> Brian and James and, and uh, you know, uh, oh. all these all these lovely side orders. Yeah. Um, it's just so much going, folding into it as well. I just wanted, just while we're on, I mean, we're going to talk about grief a lot as well as the, the music, the, the festival that we're creating. But like with your, with your mum and dad and stuff, I, I wondered if they got to see much of your... Um, sort of career flourish and what, what uh, no, my um, stuff. Uh, I remember my my mum got to see me on uh, you know, uh, the eleven o'clock show and uh, a bit of XFM and um, uh, little bits and pieces, but uh, um, not nothing else. Uh, yeah. I remember when um, I came home one Christmas. Uh, I'd, I'd done like you know a, a few weeks on the eleven o'clock show, and it was bittersweet for her because there was a neighbour. And she went, is my son the one who was, who was on the telly? And then she went, I didn't teach him to swear. <laughs> so she had to get that out. She was uh, proud yeah. of me, but she thought, they've heard him swear. Yeah. They've heard him swear on telly. <laughs> <laughs> That's, didn't come from me, that. We never yeah. taught him that. Yeah. picked that up at college. Yeah. And then my, I think my dad got to see, I think he got to see one series of The Office. Um, but... Uh, he potted is it, around is, for it, yeah. is it a little bit like, sorry to talk about it, but like, you know, like how you, you always hear about, I always bring the Beatles up at some point, but like how McCartney and, and Lennon lost their parents young and there's an element of trying to show your parents what you're good at even when they're not around anymore. Is that is that a thing? Oh, I mean, I, I don't think there's anyone in the world that doesn't want their uh, parents to be proud of them. Um, but they were already... Uh, you yeah. know, I, I just think that you know, my my family. It's 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 you know they yeah they're family. They couldn't be prouder of you. It's like it's crazy. It's a, imagine if the only way you could be proud of someone was they were an international <laughs> comedian. <laughs> then there'd be a lot of disappointed parents. But you know that you got to you you know you you've got to be proud of your kids. Yeah, um, and uh, and. Uh, and they were. I mean, more important for them that I was a uh, a nice, decent chap. That that's all yeah. that mattered. Exactly. It's beautiful. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is. 
Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host, created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. I mean, what a great start, Simon and Garfunkel, right? Um, the morning moves into later morning. It really is cracking the flags here in Hampstead, actually, on this particularly beautiful day. The sky's in azure blue. Um, who who should we put on next, Ricky, in this festival? Oh, okay. Oh, my God, this is so hard now hard because I know I've only got four left. So yeah. I'm thinking of all my favourite bands yeah. and some are alive and some are... And, and I feel it's a... I mean, I, I'm even tempted to put Elvis on because, of course, I, I, I never saw him and he's iconic and it, it, it started and ended with Elvis, didn't it? But Absolutely. It's even, not, was... even though it's not my sort of thing, I must yeah. say. I mean, I love Elvis. He's great. But I wouldn't, you know, I would never, I'd never go home and put on an mm. Elvis album. Um, uh, but it's like breathing, isn't it? It's like oxygen, the music of Elvis yeah. Presley. Like you say, when you were a five or six-year-old, you were probably playing those, those records were going on in the background, weren't they? So yeah, maybe it exactly. Into oh, that. I, I still, you know, I remember, I, I think I had um, Crying in the Chapel on 45, that was, that was you know, my brothers or sisters. Um, oh, my God. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Radiohead. I'm causing him pain. Radiohead. Radiohead, come on. It's got, I mean, it's it's got to be because... Um, uh, I, There's a good deployment of Let Down in... Uh, in season three of Afterlife, which I love. That's not a spoiler, I don't think. No, but. it's not. It, it, it's not. It's, um, no, it was an excuse to use that track. Um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm still blown away by how good Radiohead are. And, uh, I mean, when, so how old was I? I was already, I was already in my thirties, wasn't I? Well, uh, yeah. What, when, I, um, the Benz came out? Yeah, I was early thirties. And, uh, well, even before that, um, I, I think, I think, in fact, I know um, they played Yulu when I was there in about okay. 92, 93. Would and you they were have on in the bar. Huh? Would you have booked them? No. Uh, it was a promoted gig. And I remember people talking about, oh, they're great. They're, they're from Oxford and they're sort of like progressive. And I thought when I said progressive, I thought like they meant the first time, like it was going to be like Pink Floyd or Yes. Yeah, Goblins. Yeah, yeah. And I think I watched them, and I think, and I remember I heard Creep, and I didn't like it much. I thought it was, you know, uh, you know, edgy indie. I thought it was all right, but I didn't. Like, and then I heard the Bends, and honestly, I, I, it was jaw dropping. I think I played it about eight times the first time I heard it, and I think it's the album I've played more than any other album. I'm, I don't, I can't think of anything that. That comes close, if I'm honest, because um, you know I've played, I've probably played more Bowie and more Dylan, but they've got 25 albums yeah. that I play, so they, they've split the vote a little bit. But I think, I think the Bends uh, is probably the, the album I've played most, and it it's remarkable. It's like a greatest hits album. Yeah. Every single track is as good as the last, and um, uh, yeah, I'd. Uh, I'd love to see them in Hampstead. <laughs> I think that would be that would be fucking great. And you could they could come over for an espresso afterwards or something. 
Yeah. It's always, for me, it's like the start of my iron lung that I think is the shivers for me. It sort of reminds me of the start of uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or something. Yeah. You you can see that the the line between these incredible artists from the 60s and 70s and, oh, yeah, Radiohead are as good as that. Yeah, I know. I I, I think, um, I I, I can't, if I have a favourite, um, which changes, I think it might be, it might be Bones. Um, That lyric, I used to fly like Peter Pan. It's it breaks my heart. It's just, and his voice, and it's so it's such unlikely that what comes out of that. No offense, that weird little guy. <laughs> He'd take that, Tom, wouldn't he? Take that. But they're yeah, they're yeah. they're all they're they're all amazing, and um, uh, just the sound they create, and they've honestly every time every time I hear a new. Radiohead album, I think, oh, they've gone too far now. This is mental. This is, and then within a week, it's just amazing. I just, I feel stupid. They fool me every time. They, they go, what do you think that you love the last one? I go, yeah. They go, what do you think of this? And I go, oh no, it's different. And then I go, oh, that's that's good. That's yeah. why it's so good. They push themselves. They challenge themselves, and um, uh, they're 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 remarkable. They're they're they seem to be untouched by opinion or worries or yeah i don't know how they've become one of the biggest bands in the world it's it because it's it's unlikely isn't it they it's haven't iron, they don't seem to play the game will isn't it, it it's a dec- decision early on some somehow or maybe it wasn't a decision maybe it was like well we can't do it any other way we're just gonna have to do it our way and if people don't like it then we'll have to fucking get real jobs but yeah it just so happened that they caught the the zeitgeist but i'm still surprised they? that there are artists like that because you're so disappointed usually. But I mean, that's true of everything. 90% of stuff is rubbish. 90% of everything is rubbish. 90% of art is rubbish. 90% of furniture is rubbish. 90% of music is rubbish. <laughs> but that's why things that are excellent stand out because it, yeah. now it's done, this is the way to do it. And uh, um, I, I, uh, I was watching that Beatles documentary and what was remarkable for me about it was how unaware they were of the fact they were the Beatles. Do you know what I mean? They were, they <laughs> no, were still, no. it was, it was, it was not only the beat, they were already the Beatles, but they were at the end of the Beatles. They were already the biggest band in the world of all time. Right. And they were acting like they were four lads starting out. And I thought I was so, it was remarkable and refreshing. They're just coming up with things. Remember that thing we did, you know, when we were 17? Yeah, let's do that. You know? And I just think, that, that's so how could they carry on acting normal with what was happening you know I love I, that I, wa- I watched it again the other day just because for shits and giggles especially the roof con- the rooftop concert because it's just it's just mesmerising isn't it and it's like and then you that little thing flashes up this is was was used on Let It Be and you're like then you get the goosebumps because it's like fucking yeah. hell I've been listening to that all my life and now I'm watching them do it it's like yeah. a portal from from God or something. Well, it's, it's also ridiculous. remarkable that that exists and we didn't know about it because <laughs> yeah. it is like going back in time. And with those things like if you go back in time and be an invisible ghost, what would you spy on? And it, it's like that that they've allowed us to do that to a certain degree. And uh, what I love about, what I love about and you're right. There's an allegory though with Radiohead. It's like. I've noticed that, and you will, you will have noticed this with the job you used to have, like booking bands and stuff. I know that there are pre- lots of pretentious musicians out there, but most of them, when you get them talking about gear or get them talking about music or get them talking about anything like that, they're just fans again, and they're just they're just I, lad, they're just. That, I really again. like that. I I like I like people being nerdy about cool things because it There's no. There's really. There's no difference whether you're uh, nerdy about. Tattoos and Harley Davidsons and rock and roll, or stamp collecting. You know, I, I like that it's to, to be passionate about something that you care about for no other reason than you enjoy doing it. I, I, yeah. I, I've always thought that, and I, I think if you can keep that, you know, it, because it, it's all the other stuff that ruins it. I yeah. love telling Joe. I love writing. I love it, but then it's all the other stuff that. What do you mean I've got to put a tuxedo on and walk down a red carpet? That is so. What do you mean I've got? To, oh, what do you mean that? It, it, it's all that other stuff, and um, yeah. you can't. You've got to do it because you want people to watch your thing, so you get the chance to do it again. But if you can opt that out, I, I, I can see myself. 
you know, living in a cave on an island and just doing a podcast. And and I can I can, I can see that. I you know I I know why people do that and they go off grid yeah. because there's well, something so refreshing about it. Well, you you've got unfortunately you can't do that yet because you've got a job to do. We've got yeah. three more okay. uh, slots to fill. Uh, okay. As the you know as as the former uh, band booker, you you realise that we're against it. Here. Okay. How are you doing out there? Are you ready for the next act of the day? People, make some noise! We've had Simon and Garfunkel and Radiohead. We're in the lull period now. It's just after lunch. It's about lunch time. Um, first of all, quickly, what do you think we should eat? Uh, I mean, well, you're, you're, you're I just had a house. This so. is rock and roll. I just had a vegan whopper from. Oh, was it good? It's brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant. I'd there's like no. To try that. There's no. Even if you you still eat meat, right? Which I don't. There's no reason not to have vegan burgers and sausages. There's no. All you're tasting is the 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 bread and the tomato sauce and the mustard and the onions. Exactly. So if it, a gateway for people to give up meat, start on vegan right. burgers. That's my yeah, advice. I totally agree. I, lo- I love the Linda McCartney mozzarella burger. Oh, the, I, I, really. I, I love, oh uh, you, the, in our house, you know, Linda Can't McCartney. For that. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, okay, so we'll have one of them. Uh, we'll, get a few, we'll get a tray brought in just to keep us going. But who should be the third act? Oh, oh there are all these things flashing through my mind. Nirvana, Kate <gasps> Bush, Hendrix, oh, Joni Mitchell. Oh, my God. I love that hippie scene. Oh, James Taylor. I've had Simon yeah. and Garfunkel, too similar. Yeah. Can't That's too... true. That's true. You've uh, covered that off in a sense. I know what you mean, though. That Laurel Canyon thing's very beautiful. Yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Oh, and you... Crosby, Stills, Neil Young. Neil... Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Then I've, yeah, then yeah, I've, got, yeah. I've, I've, I've got a double whammy, haven't I, there? And what you could do is, because it's your festival, you can do what the fuck you want, yeah. you could have Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young do a set, and then Crosby, Stills and Nash could go off, and yeah. Neil Young could then do a set if you want. If I, okay, um, that, I think that's a really good idea. Although Neil Young's sets are long enough, I think, so I think we'd be <laughs> asking for it. Some of, it, some, of his, some of his solos are longer than some sets. These days, so I think I've got I've got to micromanage Neil. It's like, who am I to tell Neil? He did Neil too long, mate. Too long. Let's <laughs> keep it. To th- We're all doing three tracks. We're all doing three <laughs> tracks, Neil. Um, yeah, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Oh, that's oh Simon and Garfunkel. What Radiohead? Then know. Crosby, Stills, Nash. Rick, you're the greatest promoter of all time. <laughs> He, nobody, he, nobody can argue with that. No. What is it about Neil Young? Is it is it that incredibly um, vulnerable voice that he's got? That, it, that, it's what, what? it's that. Um, uh, it's that he's never let me down. He's yeah. done. I, I think people don't realise um, what the stages of stuff he's gone through. That what's that one? Is it the one that BBC when he first plays uh, oh, yeah, Heart of that. Gold and uh, Old Man? Yeah, and we're just talking. He's just sort of like, and he's. It takes him about five minutes to get the right harmonica, and he's he's just awkwardly sort of chatting, and he's just so happy with himself and taking his time, and and you know this is a new one, and it's like the one of the most iconic tracks the world has ever heard, <laughs> and I just think, how do you do that? How do you, and I think what was he? He was twenty four at the time or something. Do you um, think that some people really are, and I must not misspeak here, but old souls? Yeah, you know oh, well, they're just they're just real artists. They're not mm. playing at it. They're not doing it. They're not sitting at home and thinking, "How can I fool the world?" First, I've got to fool an A and R man. Then I've got to fool the world. Then I've got to get the, the, the. They just go, "This is what I'm doing. This is what yeah. I'm already doing. This anyway." So, take it or leave it. And I just mm. think that that I, I think it's being an artist, isn't it? That well, um, I mean, to the extreme with. Uh, uh, Neil Young, that I, I think that um, wasn't there a court case where he went on, didn't want to do it, and went off, and now he's he's got, yeah, didn't he go to court and do the oh, definition yeah. of what an artist is? It's what he wow, says it okay. is. So you know, he, he they, he, I think that to the degree that 
this is my art. If I, I, I if I do twenty minutes, it's my art. If I do two hours, it's my art. Yeah. That's there's no argument here. It's the, the um, purity to that, isn't there? He's, I love yeah. that story about him, which is true because Graham Nash told me himself that this happened. That he had a big lake somewhere, whatever the fuck he was, he, he was living on a big ranch somewhere. He had a massive lake in the middle of it, and he basically built a couple of barns that were essentially just like mass that housed colossal PAs. And he used to row out to the middle of the lake, and that was like the best bit to listen to to music. And he'd start the music, row out to the middle of the lake with a mate, and say, "Listen to my new one." And that's, that's how he used to listen to music. That's amazing. That's I, you should I get love on that. that. You could do that. That's like an eccentric billionaire, isn't yeah. it? But it's just it's a lake and a barn. But yeah, that's what I mean. That's what that's what that's what money's for. Exactly. Sitting on a lake listening to a Marshall stack. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, yeah. you've worked with some of the biggest stars in the world. You kind of are one as well, you know, not to blow smoke, but, and you know, with extras and things. And speaking of people of this ilk, this level, you know, is, is there a commonality, do you think? Is there a thread that ties some of these super achievers together? No, I just, I think they do what they feel and what they have to do. And, uh, you know, the, the, as I said, you know, you you can't you can't choose your thoughts. You can't choose what comes. You can't choose what you're good at. You're just we're just experience machines. We just have to let the world flow through us, and what comes out is is what comes out. And uh, I think embracing that is the important thing. And um and I, and I think real artists do that without thinking about it. You 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 can't you can't you can't really recreate it. it they're you know the best people. They're they're one offs. There's nothing yeah. like them. And um, you know, it, innovation is just that it hasn't been done before. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's the best, or it just means we haven't seen it before. Um, and well, it's a bit uh, I mean, like with 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 you know the the office was one of those situations. I think wasn't it where that sort of that particular presentation style of you know that fly on the wall thing, but to using it in a comedic fashion was was kind of a was a was a new innovation, and everybody just couldn't believe their eyes really. Yeah, like, but you say that you know, um, it was it was new to uh, to sitcom, but you know, I suppose was, you'd had Spinal Tap and things. Spinal you, Tap, you know, um, you know, there'd been people that hadn't been stars before. There'd been people that hadn't had a laugh track before. You know, it had all been done before, but you just notched it up to a degree that you know the the naturalism was just a bit more natural. It was a bit more drab. It was a bit more normal. It was a it was about comedy. The you know, yeah. secretly, it was a show about comedy. Uh, you know this guy who thought he was funny that wasn't, and uh, it was about it was about fame. You know it was, uh, uh, but you know on the face of it, it was a it was another it was another workplace sitcom. Um, and uh, I think the people that you know, I don't think people latch on particularly to the innovation. They latched on, knowing or not, to the to, to the to the normal familiar things, yeah. you know, about a, a, a guy being a prat, a, a workplace, getting on with people, boy meets girl, you know, all, all those things that are, that, that are familiar. And I think that um, it's only natural. You have to find something familiar. I mean, if, if music was just so out there that it wasn't even an instrument, you know, I, I, you know, it, it just, it, you have to have something, you know, even yeah. the most innovative, progressive things they've they've still got a rhythm they've got a beat they've got instruments they've got melody they've got tunes they've got words they've got they're they're still using all these familiar things in a slightly different way and you know rock and roll is a very thin bandwidth to play with you know it, it you know it, it's not if you compare it to classical music that like uh, honestly it's 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 tiny it's a yeah, tiny exactly. little genre that it's it's harder to find new things. There's only so many chords. There's only, you know, it's, it's usually drums, bass, guitar and keyboards, you know. So you've got to, you've got to really go for it to, to, find, to find the different. That's it. It's incredible to me that Buddy Holly managed to knock out so many unbelievable hits with literally three chords, you know, but that's the pure genius, isn't it? But that's it? what no. the Beatles did. The Beatles yeah. did that. They were playing... They were playing 12-bar blues and rock and roll in the early days and they never really lost it because it was simple. It was very simple. You know, I can't believe how how it seemed, how, how unpretentious they were about the lyrics. And they go, I like the bad lyrics. They're fine. You know, I, I just, I love that. So you just, you know, just sing it. It's just rock and roll. Yeah. I, I, and I, and uh, I absolutely, I, 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 I love that about music, that 
sometimes the best things are the things that come to you in a in a moment and they're simple because people connect with them they just connect with it people connect it. with simple ideas not complex ideas now we've got a situation where afterlife season 3 it's a beautiful thing it's netflix but because of that uh, you know, you've not got much time left. And I know, I can see it. On, I've, I've got my one eye on the, keenly on, on the, 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 the clock and I can tell that we're running out of it. So I'm going to try and tap you into your, uh, you know, music band booker days and say, okay, we need to get, we need to go from the sunset moment to the headliner here. So we need a sunset moment act and a headliner act. I've got, I've got a feeling I know what, what at least one of those people are going to be, but can you, can you tell us what the last two acts of this fantastic festival are going to be, Ricky? Okay, I'm just going to plump for it. And I think, I think, I know you know my headline mm. act. Mm. And uh, it, it's David Bowie. Mm. Um, was that that obvious? It was, yeah. We've written it and, down. And yeah. now I don't know whether to go for, can I have Dylan and Neil yeah. Young? And can I have like all these acoustic folk acts? Or should I put Kate Bush in there? You know? Uh, You've, you, you mentioned Nirvana as well, you know. It's, it's no, I know. Isn't it? Should we should we kick it up a gear? I don't know. I'm torn. Um, it's getting late. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kate Bush because yeah. I, I think that's probably that might be a spanner in the works for some people who've come along to a festival crowd. But, did you get um, to see? Did you get to see her at all? I saw her and it was amazing at the the Hammersmith. Uh, yeah, it was remarkable. It was. It was theatre. It wasn't just, it wasn't just, you know, it was great. And, you you know, whatever you think of her, whatever you think of her now, you know, or it's your sort of music, um, she did it. You know, she came out of nowhere and she kicked the door down in about, what was it, 1978? 78. I mean, again, I, I'm not a huge fan of Wuthering Heights, right? But, I mean, there wasn't anything like it. There was nothing like it. This just this woman at a piano um so uh and uh she is a you know she's a, a great performer um i'm gonna i'm i'm unapologetically gonna go for kate bush yeah so that's great so we've got kate doing with a full theatrical experience and then another one to cap it david bowie so before we get before you get snatched away let's just try and cover a few things off at once Number one, can you actually be sort of friends with somebody whilst also at the same time, um, you, you know, engaging in idolatry? Really, if that's yeah, the word. Yeah, but know? it's weird because you, you, it's it's sort of like a binary switch. Uh, when you're there and you're friends with him, you're not thinking this is my favorite artist of all time. Oh my <laughs> god, he did heroes. Oh my god, you, you don't you you could because you meet you know David Jones and he's normal and nice, right? And then when you're at home and you put on the album, you go, oh, I know this bloke. So there is a weird, there's a cognitive distance. It's weird. It's, it, is, it is strange. And so, but I never used to sit there thinking that's, that, he didn't allow it. You couldn't. He was just such an ordinary, not, he's not ordinary. He's, he's amazing. But he was a normal bloke, you know, and he, he, didn't, he didn't really talk about, himself or his music um and I didn't because I didn't want to I think I said one thing to him I asked him if he'd very speeded sweet thing um and uh and I don't know if he he said oh yeah all over the place and I don't know if that's true or yeah. he, he he did or he remembered or or whatever but but um that's what he said and uh, then we talked about other stuff we talked about you know just everything he loved comedy. He wanted to talk about comedy. Uh, he liked art. Um, uh, Is that ultimately the, the sort of the apotheosis of your career, in a sense, though? Just having him serenade you as the funny little fat man on extras. Oh, that's got to be up there, hasn't a it? A magic moment. I mean, and it, it's it's uh, it's the one moment that's slightly surreal, almost. That you know, he he, he uh, you know, that that I bump into David Bowie and he just sings this amazing song. And I, I will just say, um, uh, to return the favour after he appeared next to us, he said, uh, will, you, will you come and do the Highline Festival for me in New York? And uh, I hadn't played New York before. And, he, and then he said, I've booked Madison Square Garden. I went, 
okay, <laughs> right. And so I, I, I sold it out amazingly as part of the Highland Festival and I went along and as a little treat, um, everyone was there waiting for me to come out and out walks David Bowie in a tuxedo. And you hear the room go... <laughs> and, uh, and he just went up to the mic and he had a little harmonica and he went... Chubby little loser, no one's bloody <laughs> laughing. And he had the whole crowd going, see his pug nose face. And that was a pug, pug. Ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Gervais. And there's one little bit of it. It was, it was, I think it was like 2000. Seven, so no one had iPhones or, but someone's got a dodgy old thing on their uh, early sort of phone and it's on YouTube somewhere. And you, I'm just a big blob, but it's there. And um, yeah, the uh, oh my, oh yeah, off the charts. And I've got, and then, and then, and how cool is this? He he signed the harmonica, went, yeah, you can have that. I know, that went on eBay. Um, imagine if, don't know who's, we don't imagine, know who's got that now. Imagine um, if that was the end of the story. <laughs> imagine if I said that. I got 15 grand for that. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. So, uh, well, it's it's incredible. I know you've got to go, but but I've got to say, um, what, a, what, a, what a pleasure. Um, Hampstead, uh, no Ricky gets, gets t- taken off in Air Force One, like the, yeah. in, in a full Trumpian guard, yeah. waving at the crowd. Uh, we've had Simon and Garfunkel, we've had Radiohead. Uh, we, you know, we've had Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Neil Young, Kate Bush, and David Bowie, and he finishes with a funny little fat man, uh, and that's even, the last song. Even I'd allow him not to put that in the set. Yeah, I okay. wouldn't take it personally. Yeah, I, I'd say, David, you can leave out that and the laughing gnome. <laughs> Anything else is your son. I'd you like could... to bring Bing Cosby back. And oh, do, um, love that track, uh, little drummer boy! I'd love I to do love that, that track. I, I still watch so it every Christmas, whenever. I, it, but I I still, I absolutely love it, and there, and it's so sweet and awkward. Hello, yeah. Ben. Hello, David. He doesn't really know who he is, does he? Like sort <laughs> just, of thing. But it's like it's great, and also <laughs> Bowie is in his like probably off his head phase. <laughs> Would you like some cocaine and peppers, Bing? No, I'm all right, actually. I'm fine. I know. No, I it's love so that. Lovely. I absolutely love that. Well, it's great. Well, um, and, and we, we we didn't name the fest. We I don't want to call it Ricky Fest or something reductive no. like that. Uh, we don't want oh, to call God. it Brentwood. But, um, Brentwood, uh, something with fat we, in it. Fat, f- <laughs> festival, no. Uh, fat of the Land Festival. Um, that festival. makes it sound like a... Yeah, what are some of the names of festivals? Oh, this is no good, is it? Grastonbury. Uh, uh, don't, don't worry, we'll, 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 put a t- we'll put a ticker on at the bottom afterwards and we'll, we'll rename it at the end. Um, uh, gastric after- Bands, the Gastric Bands Oh, that's tour. good. You see, we got there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Gastric Band Festival. Um, and, and another memorable scene from Extras, of course. Ricky, thanks very much. Thank My you for pleasure. your time. Um, I'm halfway through season three of Afterlife. It's absolutely gorgeous. Thank, Thank you and you. congratulations. And thanks for doing the lineup for us today. I'm going to worry now. Oh, for for yeah, forever will. now, I'm going to go, oh, I could have chosen this. I didn't choose. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mention that. Oh, God. Oh, come up you'll with a better come, name. You'll have to come back on next year. Yeah. Yeah. Do it again. Gastric yeah. Band Festival 2. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.